Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to this podcast, Yovana the Ageless, where our mission is to unleash everything about living ageless in collaboration with the experts in ancient healing practices from all across the world. Yovana the Ageless is an experiential ancient lifestyle online platform with focus on ageless living. This space has emerged from our innate desire to impart knowledge and experience on living ageless at body, mind, and consciousness level. Yovna ecosystem is all about knowledge sharing and living a traditional lifestyle driven from a medley of worldly timeless wisdom of yoga, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, microbiotics, qigong, and raw alkaline and living food philosophy. At Yovna, we share this timeless wisdom in collaboration with experts through this podcast and courses on our Yovna platform conducted by global experts in ancient modalities. On this platform, we discuss everything from foods to rituals, to lifestyle, to yogic and ancient movement practices like Qigong, Ayurveda, and much more. Here you learn to live a way of life to regain Yavna, the youth, living by the wreath, the universal order of healing and agelessness. We invite you to realize the divinity of your innate potential to remain ageless with us on this platform, Yavna. Hello everyone, thank you for joining me. Wish you all a very happy new year and this session that we are going to do today is about a new start for the new year where we try to understand how yoga and Ayurveda practices can actually help us live through the pandemic and also help us um, adopt a way of life which is healthful and which is the way to go when it comes to you know maintaining health at the body and mind level. So we have our guest today, Anshal Pilani. I will wait for her to join the session. In the meantime, uh, I'll try, uh, I'll, I'll introduce Anshal in the meantime and we'll just wait for her to join. So um, uh, rather before I introduce her, I would really want to, uh, you know, have specific focus on this fact that uh, Ayurveda and yoga is my, has been my keen interest since a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, knowing the yoga and Ayurveda ideology is one part of it. Like all of us know yoga is good. All of us know, um, you know, Ayurveda is good. But how to incorporate it in a daily life, make it a part of your lifestyle and live it on a regular daily basis is something that is the topic for today. And Anshil has been doing it really at a very uh, deep level. So uh, the topic for today that uh, we will be having for Anshil is you know knowing more about Anshal and how she um, she has been incorporating this way of life in her regular practices hi Anshal I can see you there I'll just let you in I'm, I'm just introducing yourself and then I'll let you in so Anshal is an experienced yoga and wellness professional with her roots in India and Dubai she trains in Hatha, Vinyasa, Power, Aerial, Yin Yoga and has conducted classes nationally and internationally she has been associated with prestigious names for her yoga collaborations and yoga festivals while also conducting conversations with experts in Ayurveda wellness domain. Anshal is continuing her education in natural healing, Ayurveda, Vedanta, yoga, hiking and fasting and detoxification. While trying to balance her corporate life, Anshal started her journey in New York 
from a corporate american job in google with full uh, to full time yoga anchal has built upon her teaching and self practice over years she has learned and practiced with some of the best yoga teachers in the world thus helping her develop a unique uh, teaching style for herself after her self recovery with yoga anchal desires to gain knowledge on how to live to the best human potential thus ayurveda happened to her following the truths of ayurveda has kept her yoga practice steady and body light after trying many diets she finally found her balance with uh, foods in ayurveda anchal has been true to adopting and living a yogic vedantic and ayurveda lifestyle and, and uh, specifically amidst these uh, modern uh, standards of living where we are just fixated on one way of life and she has developed a keen interest in sanskrit bhagavad gita and vedic mantras so i think i'll have anchal now to into her journey of yoga and ayurveda how to live it on a daily basis Hi Anshul. Hi. Hi. Good Hello. evening. How are you? Good evening. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Great. Thank you so much for being there. And um, I just introduced you. And I guess one thing that I've been really loving about you is living Ayurveda and yoga in a daily lifestyle. I mean, knowing about yoga and Ayurveda from a you know uh, theory perspective or knowing it is good is one part of it. But how do you live it on a daily basis? I think you've been really beautifully. uh implementing those um, concepts in your daily life so this is where i think uh, we'll start so you know before i get into my uh, questions uh, mm-hmm. my first question would be um you have transitioned from a very uh, prestigious job at google as mm-hmm. a full you know uh, completely into being a corporate world and then transitioning to more into the wellness and yoga and mm-hmm. ayurveda side of it so you've seen the two sides of the spectrum what is uh, what was anchal then when she was working as a you know google uh, employee and what is anchal today when she is completely into wellness and what kind of changes did you experience being you know yeah. then and now so namaste and thank you for joining all you guys and you know um dipti just complimented me that i'm li- living a life of ayurveda and yoga and i have to compliment her as well because she is so inspiring herself and uh, she has such a deep knowledge base and i think this these live sessions are more for each other than for all you guys thank you so much we yeah love, but will we, we keep speaking. focus on you today anjali yeah. yeah we yeah we love speaking so um yeah. uh, you know my journey uh, has been very uh, different and i think everybody who arrives at that who am i question has to go through such a journey so um i i I've, i've always been very academic oriented and a very type a person wherein i was always like you know moving 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 and i did my engineering and i i got into very good institutions i got a really good job in uh, deloitte i was working in pricewaterhouse in new york everything was golden i mean i i absolutely had nothing to complain about the paycheck was excellent the job was excellent the the apartment was beautiful the the roommate was beautiful the friends were like as you would want in your life and i was traveling and consulting with everything was laid out for my future but it just there was it was so empty inside i would wake up at 4 in the morning and go to the gym and then i would take a flight every monday morning i had the same schedule one day i would strength train one day i would run the other day i would do yoga the fourth day i would um you do mobility like as type a as as into perfection as you might think eating the healthiest food that you know you and i possibly perceive it to be the healthiest right. food and then 
it was everything was fine but you know like one day um i on a sunday i walked i used to walk to whole foods and i walked into this this yoga studio kolkula yoga project and i just aise hi you know it was not my day to do yoga or any workout i just attended this very good teachers class and it was a two hour vinyasa class and i know vinyasa is not something that's called yoga in this side of the world but i was totally taken aback like the stillness that i felt and there was just something and you know i kept going back every sunday in fact the whole my whole week was planned so that i would attend that class then i would even drop in on a thursday evening as much as i po- could like i go, i would come back from a flight and go so then was that archal was very type a and i'm still a very type a person and i have a very difficult time being mediocre and balanced at most times uh, if i don't do yoga <laughs> but um then i there was something pulling me back to india like i just don't know what happened but i suddenly decided to give my resignation and i told them that i'm taking a sabbatical and may come back and then i couldn't leave my career because it was a good career to have so i joined google thinking that that would satiate me and maybe being in the motherland is all i wanted but even being in the motherland kept i would do shivananda yoga every single day and i met my friend ira trivedi there and we would come, we would get together and do yoga and then i i decided one day that you know this is just not working for me i need to quit i need to understand what's going on with me inside and i quit google and which was shocking because you get into google after 11 interviews right like who quits exactly. google right exactly um, and that's why i emphasized on that i mean uh, yeah, you know from I, there to this but inside it's it it was so it was such an urge i would go to the kailash colony shivananda center every sunday and every saturday and that was the only highlight of my week so um i quit and i went to the ashram and it was just like you know it this is a very different thing in in our kind of social circles to just go to an ashram right but it was the most fulfilling journey that i took and um i went and i stayed there for a very long time as soon as i came back i was teacher trained i never wanted to teach yoga as a profession i always thought that i'll do something with it but i started teaching as karma yoga so you know it was a selfless service it was just a class mm-hmm. that i started taking and it grew and it grew and i just felt like this is something i want to do right now let me do it and i started leading the life of a yogi as i we've been taught um and then i decided that i wanted to make it a professional career so you know how like most knowledge even though it comes from india it's communicated very well abroad i went right. to this teacher training in america which is called yoga works and it was stupendous one month because there i learned alignment i learned anatomy i learned the ayangar form of yoga mm-hmm. i practiced with very very you know um, powerful teachers teachers who shape your core when you meet them you know teachers who walk into the room they look at you and they say your arches are falling you know lift your arches mm-hmm. up once you know because as as teachers you might also know if you don't stand on your feet fundamentally right your hip is going to deviate your pelvic right. floor is going to deviate your spine is going to deviate your mind will ultimately fall out so very powerful teachers i practiced with i did ayanga yoga 12 years back you know with the ropes and the blankets and there was just absolutely no turning back for me and then 
I, you know, a lot of divine intervention has happened in my life. So um, I met someone, an enlightened person, and he told me, uh, he told me that you, I must continue in this, uh, on this journey, even though I was quite doubtful. And I did. And then I started the Fujera yoga arm in uh, Fujera, which is where I moved with my husband. And mm -hmm. it really grew into something very big. And then I started teaching in Dubai. But it was always very subtle and under the radar because that's how yoga, yogis want to live, right? Like we really don't right. want to be on social media. We don't want to speak. We want to be very like silent practitioners. So it's only COVID that's brought us here. And I think it's a good thing only because we've been able to heal a lot of other people as well. So during my stint in uh, Dubai, I connected with so many powerful teachers. I kept my learning. Dubai is actually a wonderful place for teachers, you know. Um, and I learned Ashtanga there. I found my Ashtanga teacher, although I don't teach Ashtanga, but um, I, I, got, I had a very deep connect with an Ashtanga teacher. And then mm -hmm. we collaborated and I got into Vedanta learning. I found my teacher over there. So she mm -hmm. handholds me now. And um, I, I started teaching Vedanta classes. So that's, that's been my journey. And, you know, with every step that I have taken and I have taught people, I have only received more you know, uh, something or the other, you know, my, my interest in Ayurveda was always there. Like I always felt that this whole salad eating is not the most sustainable food in the world. You know, if you want to be healthy first, I would, I was a very vain person. It was all about how my body looked. And then there was a disconnect. I felt like the mind and the emotional body, the manamaya kosha, they were not very fulfilled. So that's when I started studying Ayurveda. I started talking to a lot of teachers. I um, actually experienced it. I uh, studied it with a naturopathy. And then I found my truth. So, um, and that's, yeah, that's like wow, a amazing, shorter amazing journey. Shorter yeah, version. I mean, it's still taking some time to kind of digest what all, you know, you, you, the kind of journey you had it's, with yoga and various yeah, other things. Um, yeah. You know, but I guess so, that's where yeah. the ascents actually happens. I mean, you know, you, you experience different modalities, different teachers, and you have to take back something from somebody. And that's how your own philosophy develops with that experience. I, I, I think a good teacher in, is very important. Like, exactly. you know, even though I advocate anybody who comes to me, I'll say you must self-practice. Please self-practice because that builds confidence. Right. But people, teachers, mentors, coaches who are invested in your growth, Right. Now, if mm -hmm. you're going to practice with me, I can correct your chaturanga. I can correct your deviation. I can tell you that, hey, you know, I think your pitta is imbalanced. Like only mm -hmm. I will recognize that. And I'm invested in your growth. But if you're not going to find, A, if, you're, if you don't want to lead, lead a yogic life, you may not experience yoga. You're going to experience physical exercise, which is basically not what exactly. we're here for. Exactly. I guess that, that that's a very big gap in how... Uh, in the Western world, they've taken yoga. I mean, they, they are more physical and more on the material side. Still, they've picked up the essence of yoga. And as yeah. you rightly said, you know, uh, the, the kind of teachings that they've picked up out of yoga is just phenomenal. And yeah. I think India still needs to reach to a certain level where all these teachings become a part of Indian uh, understanding of yoga and Ayurveda you know, as well. You know, uh, the, you know, Dipti, this is such a passionate subject for people like you and me and teachers around us. And I think yeah. we talk about it every single day. Um, just recently, I shot a 12 class series for an app and the 
same thing was said by the person who is leading the app. He said mm-hmm. there's such a disconnect in India, especially because the knowledge comes from here. And everybody else that we know around us is going to strength training and, you know, is going to fitness, which is great. And they mm-hmm. have their own essence and they have their own nectar to give See to that, the I, world. I believe that's more physicality oriented. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. And plus that disconnect, you're just looking at one area of your life. You're not considering right. that you, you can't, you, if you are existent, you are existent as a whole, not just physical self, right. not right. just mental self, not just yeah. spiritual so, self. But yeah, that's, that's like, you know, we all are feeling that like we want to give this to our subcontinent now. We want to inspire our subcontinent because the body is not, please don't look at the body only as a physical body. Okay. There's so many layers behind it. And, you know, like I, I believe in breath work a lot. And I say that you're targeting your pranamaya kosha, but you need to even target the manamaya and then move right. to the vigyanamaya and the annamaya. So, we have to look at it as an all-encompassing machinery. If you really exactly. want to bring like real stillness or real happiness in the life, right? So um, exactly. like you rightly said, the, uh, it's, um, the, the knowledge has been, the essence has been captured in the West. In the East, it's, it's probably still like, you know, I hope it has. It's the deep knowledge uh, in its raw form, I believe. I mean, very uh, passionate yeah. people only get to that level of, you know, picking the essence of what it right. uh, yeah. mentions. And I think yeah. uh, very well said, like, um, uh, since we are talking of the holistic part of it, uh, why yoga and Ayurveda becomes a passion for a lot of people, because it encapsulates everything as a whole. Like, it's not just yeah. about body. It's not just about mind. It's about everything that you cannot can think of or even right. cannot think of it's it's, it's yeah. everything great yeah so before i move on to my um, uh, you know second question uh, i think i um, i really want to talk about one thing um, recently i've just gotten uh, deep into you know interviewing a lot of international people from different ancient modalities and as you know i've just started my podcast which is yeah. all about yeah talking of all these ancient modalities uh, most of the ones that you know bringing on board my teachers and the people that i've uh, worked with or learned from and one uh, uh, one fact that appeared to me when I have been doing all of this is uh, uh, rather in my podcasts also this would be very apparent kind of a um, uh, uh, thing more I would not say most like all of the international practitioners that I'm talking to mm-hmm. have in some way or the other looked towards India to take back some part of India and incorporate it as a part of their daily life. Like yeah. somebody is into yoga, somebody is into Ayurveda, somebody is into, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Vedantic side of it and all of yeah. them. Not, I mean, I, I don't, cannot even think of one uh, expert who is not, in, who did not talk to me about any of, uh, you know, any modality, at, at least one modality that they are not practicing. So, which was yeah. such an awareness for me, like, you know, we have such a treasure and it, it it really needs to get, you know, we really need to get deeper to get out uh, yeah. into it. I mean, so, mostly people don't even know the source of our knowledge. Does anyone over here, do you know that all the, whatever I'm teaching or Dipti is teaching has not been written down by a single person. It's been downloaded and downloaded. Yes. That, it's that's the only truth said. that's floating in the universe, right? So the only way to elevate your mind, we are all going to go through our prarabd and, you know, our ups and downs in life. And it's very easy to say, lead a non-dualistic life. Don't get into the likes and dislikes. You know, if, if I'm eating an apple, I'm trying to eat, eat it. So Vedanta says when you're eating something or you're even looking at an object with your five senses, try to not make a thought of it. Ki, this is good or this is bad. But 
it's not possible at our level right mm. like you and i we are grahasts and we're very like you can't call us yogis we're only at the periphery of right. real yoga right we're exactly. not the, we're not we know we're close to the subtle rishis so um for people like us we have to constantly every day elevate our mind we will go through those ups and downs and we will you know build those impressions that are not going to serve us so every day we come back to the mat every day we come for some cleansing through japa or through lighting a lamp or through reading the scriptures or eating very well and thinking very well and propagating well but we are very much like the people who are listening to the interview right we are students right. ourselves so it's um we have to understand we have to go back to the roots and understand look at the source the source is unbelievable and not it's universal once, yeah it's and universal. it's universal which is why my husband who's in america and he's meeting like he's meeting the experts in the field of hydroponics or he's meeting mm-hmm. people who are very highly revered in uh, in veganism so there's there's this um, doctor called pamela popper who's uh, apparently well known all over the world and i didn't even know about that she chants the gayatri mantra every day so when and i exactly. don't know a single person in my indian network who does that you know so um it's it was like a wonder for me and i was so appreciative that she did that and we connected at a deeper level when we spoke about it but when we go back and understand the roots of this we we would be awestruck what can it do for us exactly. you know uh, the scriptures are so powerful even there's a scripture for everything in our life when a child is born there's a garbha upanishad on how to bring about a child you know we have something called upaniyas which is these checkpoints that you're made to do for your life as a if you want to lead a very fulfilled life right so for example when the child is uh, when uh, your own child is going to become a teenager that's as you know in ayurveda they are going their hormones start raging exactly. which is when they crave like sour they crave junk right yes. so their mind is going to now move away from intuition and it's going to engage the senses are going to be continuously engaged thoughts and are going to sharpness uh, i guess also yeah. shows in their behavior so that's how yes. the connect of inside yeah. out happens like so you know who you are becoming of, yeah. is showing on you at that point of time vedanta is so scientific vedanta says that a person who has chanted the gayatri mantra a particular number of times which is some 100000 something should have uh, like a havan if you may because uh, you know the agni is a way to connect to the subtle body and mm-hmm. tell that child in his ear recite the gayatri mantra and it's it's so scientific you know why because gayatri mantra is at that frequency which tells the child that hey illuminate your intellect understand your the light don't allow the mind to make you wander you know there yeah, is such a beauty so yeah. it's it is such a beauty in our scriptures like it can't even you know when i start talk talking about it i can't even uh, you know like verbally say how beautifully it's been laid right. out so all of this has been captured in the west and i think it's like it's our job now to take it forward exactly. here right yeah. so anjul i think um, uh, i mean you know uh we we'll, i'll start my questions from the very ground level of what we mm. will relate to and then we'll move on to the deeper concepts of what you're talking right very simply my uh, you know my next question uh practically how have you incorporated yogic and ayurvedic practices and concepts in your daily life 
at the physical mental emotional and spiritual level like how are you living it on a daily basis making it yeah. a part of your lifestyle so um well i would do want to say that this is a big transformation for someone who's led a very regular life so if you're leading a regular life then to move towards a yogic and more like a uh, more defined a uh, na- nature oriented life takes time so whoever is listening to this take it with a pinch of salt i always tell people please only pick two practices that you can do don't think that today you can jump into everything because it's taken us 15 years to be here yes. and you will get here for for sure all you have to do is consistent be consistent so as soon as i wake up i uh, started incorporating pranayama as soon as i became a teacher so i wake up into pranayama and i do my uh, my the the way i've been taught by my teachers i do my kapalabhati and i do my uh, anuloma viloma which for very very long and i think it's been it sustained me kumbhaka is one of the most important parts of my practice because kumbhaka is the only meditative part of it and um, after that i meditate and meditation came to me after really wandering around i've, I've tried vipassana i tried um i've tried many modalities and then i read this book called the art of contemplation by my gyana guru called swami chinmayananda uh, chinmayananda saraswati and i went to his samadhi and i was given his uh, padukas which is his lotus feet so at that point i really got into meditation so i do that to begin my day and it takes me about an hour try to wake up in brahma mohurat it doesn't happen some days because i am a mother of young children which is fine with me and if i don't do this as soon as i wake up i do it before the 12 o'clock like between my by the morning hours now after i'm done with the practice um i do my kriyas which is the jalaniti the cleansing which is the dinacharya rituals the mm-hmm. cleansing the tongue ritual and i do the sesame um sesame oil squishing and i it, this is also something i've been doing for very very long so it's sort of become like muscle memory mm-hmm. um and um i also chant a lot so i know all the dinacharya mantras of the day so okay. you know when i wake up i do karagri vasate lakshmi i do ganga che yamuna che saraswati while i bathe um i light a lamp every single day after i bathe which can even be at 4 pm some days because you know as a yoga teacher and as a mother as a, everything it takes time sometimes to get to our own practice right. so i light the lamp every single day i do all my dinacharya mantras i know a lot of verses of the gita so i chant every day i learn one verse every week my wow. children and i sit down every single day and we do one verse every day so we're doing chapter 2 verse 49 right now um i've also taught my kids all the dinacharya mantras you know the mm-hmm. sleeping mantra the the, the maha mantra the mrityunjaya mantra so this is my passion it's mantra chanting is something that has really taken me to another level subconsciously so this is what i propagate i i speak a lot about vedanta and so this is for me more important than the physical practice of yoga um i learn one suktam as much as i can so my teacher is in dubai so she guides me so she has guided me i started the bhagavad gita so we do one book and so like every few months we take up one scripture and we read it thoroughly and we discuss it it's it's a book club 
So I, I've been, we finished the Gita and now we're doing uh, another book, Self-Unfoldment. So I'm also, I also read one page every single day from that book. So I also do a suktam every single day. And then going back, so once I'm done, I light the lamp, I practice yoga. My yoga practice is about an hour. It's in between online schooling or it's after online schooling. But nothing stops me from my practice, which means even if I'm hungry, I will do my practice. I'll, I'll eat some dried fruit, but I'll do it. Food-wise, I have a very, and very Ayurvedic schedule. I look at the seasons. I eat according to the circadian rhythm. So I only have, I love chai. I, I, I'm a big, I, used, I love caffeine, but I moved away from coffee. I dropped it organically. I didn't fight it. You know, as a Vedantin, they always say you should drop things organically. You should never fight yourself. So I have chai with ghee and then I eat fruit in the morning. That's all I do. And um, I soak some dried fruits and uh, one, one seed and one nut. And that's what I've been eating, which is honestly just one multivitamin pill that I have in the morning. And after my practice, I have a big brunch. So my big brunch is usually... Um, a lot of coconut cooked, um, coconut infused vegetables, dal and rice and white rice, not brown rice. And the reason I'm saying white rice is you may not be at the same space as me as you may be eating Kerala Mata rice or Karikudi red mm -hmm. rice or millets or quinoa. And that's fine. The reason I don't is because after my yogic practices, I have too much pitta in my body. So mm -hmm. I need to cool myself down. I need to eat easily digestible foods. I love salads, but it's not something that agrees with me because I'm already a vata imbalance mm -hmm. person. You know, my pitta and vata is always ready to bounce. So I, I do eat salads once in a while with a lot of fat. So I make sure it has a lot of coconut or a lot of oil or a lot of ghee or a lot of avocado um, but avocado is also a fruit which should not be paired with salad but mm -hmm. I, if I do eat a salad there's a significant um, you know it will be before my main meal yeah um, between lunch and dinner I don't really snack if I, because of lack of time to eat but if I do have time to eat um, then I would eat something with ghee, you know, either a spoon of ghee and some makana or something made like, you know, amla, which is dried or like even a juice sometimes um, or like pumpkin, which I would saute, something like, you know, which is good for your gut. And then in the evenings, I eat a full meal. So my evening meal, in spite of it being Ayurvedically, no, you should keep it light. I try to eat before 7 p.m., but um, it sometimes it doesn't happen. I get very hungry by 6, 7 p.m., but my teaching schedule doesn't allow me to eat early. But I eat ghee-infused parathas because I, I need strength after if, I practice, if I've had a very hard practice. And I always have like a lot of coconut in my food because it just agrees with my gut. Mm -hmm. um, but over the... I change the diet according to the season. So like right now, because it's a winter, I have a lot of, you know, amba haldi, I have uh, amla in the khana. I, I, I keep making these recipes, you know, like I use a lot of root vegetables now because it's winter friendly. Yeah. And um, so I, 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 keep, I keep reading and I keep um, doing something or the other to 
identify knowledge and educate myself and um, when we ch- move to spring i would definitely do a cleanse because i know it's time to cleanse and it's time right. to remove all the kapha that's been accumulated in the body mm-hmm. i have not used a single allopathic medicine for the last 7 years neither have my children so we use only home remedies and um when we have seasonal changes when i know that one of us is going to fall sick and that for me is an indicator on how healthy we are so if we don't fall sick i'm like okay we did a good job this season we ate well but like for example i've eaten too much salad i'm pretty sure i'm going to get a kapha my mucus is going to be thrown hmm, out so right. i know that so i know how my i mean over the years over the last 12 years i've experienced food as a sort of agent in my body and understood the properties of it so um i work with it like my my um, ex, you know experiments with food is to educate other people it's not for me so i'm not looking you know to become thinner or stronger with food my experience is more to heal people because i have a lot of people who come to me who are going through depression or some severe problem or not obesity i don't take clients for obesity but i like to give them foods based on their imbalances so i have always eaten to identify imbalances and identify what is this food good for right now which kind of person would suit it so once i'm done with my meal and i always chant the brahmar panam the bhagavad gita chant before i eat it and i don't cook as much as i should but i love cooking um i don't eat after that i always eat a laddu every single day a gon laddu or a besan laddu it just works for me it's very nourishing for me a um, lot of my yogi friends don't like it but i love it um i always end my meal with some jaggery or something because it it completely satiates my parasympathetic right. system i know that it's binding me it's great for my vata and i don't think about food after that i'm after i'm done with my dinner i'm done with my dinner i don't have a thought of it the way i wind down which is very important to me is oh between my i do a yoga nidra between my lunch and dinner so you know you can't be hardcore about it like living the kind of lives that we do so in the lockdown it was very easy for me to do nidra i would put on swami niranjana saraswati's video and just do the 20 minute nidra but nowadays i actually consciously try to do nidra and my body has programmed itself so it only goes into a 20 minute nap so and while sleeping i journal and i um i uh, try to do the lakshmi mantra which is what you're supposed to do before you sleep but it always doesn't happen because i get i have a very small window which is just for myself so this is something that happens most days dipti but you know some days it doesn't happen also you know and it's but okay this is awesome it's it, it, but it's, it's become it's awesome. a subconscious lifestyle yes. like you know and as you so, said it doesn't happen in a day i mean it is always good to pick up one or two practices make it a habit and then even step this step year i picked a new yeah in this year also i picked a new practice now to add on because all the others have become muscle become memory a, yes yeah and there yeah. are days of course you know when there are there are turbulences that happen in life and you get derailed so what mm. should you do then i think at that point you should go to a very good teacher your mentor ask for help either go to their retreat or go spend some time with them or go mm. to your ashram 
I think these are important learnings for people like, you know, who are in this lifestyle, who are looking to incorporate themselves in this lifestyle. But it's important for everybody here who's listening to understand this is not hard. It just requires a little self-discipline. That's it. You know, exactly. uh, it, if you start doing these things, they become very easy. It's like eating and sleeping, right? They just exactly. become your lifestyle. Yeah. So it, it gets uh, set in your reflexes, like you do driving or you do cycling. And exactly. It becomes a part yeah. of you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah. thank you so much, Anshul. You've really in uh, detail shared with us, uh, you know, how you have been incorporating this uh, in your lifestyle. I'll go a little more deeper. I'll just talk of the morning time because I strongly believe coming from my understanding of things also in, uh, you know, understanding things from ancient uh, perspective, morning time is the most important. I mean, of course, it's the sacred time, but it is also the important time where you can actually build upon your health. So, uh, you know, uh, and it is also about consciously preparing your body and mind for the coming day. So not like, you know, jumping out of the bed and uh, opening up your system or looking at your phone and getting onto that uh, rush mode or adrenaline rush yeah. happening to you and, you know, that activity. So, you know, what, from your perspective, one, of course, what you do and uh, all of them you may not be doing, but what are some of the practices that you think uh, are good for the people uh, to, you know, to, to take some time before they get onto the activity mode and using that, uh, I would not say rest time, but that lag time to, uh, to, to kind of prepare their body for the coming day, whether it is about, uh, you know, cleansing the liquid gaseous or uh, solid wastes out of the body yeah. or doing some practices like you mentioned, uh, mantra chanting to bring your mind yeah. to a balance. So uh, what's yeah. your take on that? So very important is never to look at the phone. You know, as soon as you wake up, you have to mentally discipline yourself to not touch any device until you have finished a very significant part of your internal cleanse, right? So that for me is the most important advice any any human being can give any human being. The lesser we use, right. phones are important, knowledge is important. I think phones give us a lot of connectivity and knowledge, but we have to use it very efficiently. So A is that so to begin with, I think the most important part of beginning my morning, and I would recommend to anyone who's done my courses or has come to yoga, is to wake up and to sort of center yourself. And centering means that try to wake up in four to seven because those are the vata, you know, those are the hours that will allow you centering. Once you wake up after seven, which has been a struggle for me as well, you know, because of my own kapha accumulation. It's only recently that I've really found liveliness and vibrancy in my body. If you wake up after that, you wake up very haggard and you wake up anxious. And for most people that I have spoken to, but, and that's in Ayurveda and so the circadian rhythm. So try to wake up in those hours. And when, as soon as I wake up, the most important thing for me is to do Pune yogic breathing. And why do we do Pune yogic breathing is it's, it's like, you know, everybody thinks that these yogic practices are very esoteric, but it's so scientific. When you're taking a deep breath in, you know, most likely we're only holding it in the chest. But when you're taking that deep breath in all the way down, the diaphragm is pressing down, the breath is coming out, your stomach is ballooning out. You are immediately giving a signal to your brain and your parasympathetic system that I'm completely relaxed, okay? 
even during your sleep your mind and your intellect is working it's never at rest so you are completely if you're stressed in your thoughts and you're stressed in your intellect in your sleep also you're not healing okay so as people who live in modern day lives now you're looking at me in instagram your senses are completely engaged right you're going to go and you're going to look at thousand other images we have to continuously reprogram our parasympathetic system that hey i am relaxed hey i am relaxed right so the most important thing i can tell all of humanity is your breath can change your body your breath can change your mind your breath can change your intellect so when you wake up in the morning even if you've not learned pranayama from a good teacher and pranayama can only be initiated so you can't learn pranayama from a video you have to be initiated right. by a lineage because pranic energy flows is you take that breath in you breathe in for four counts and you exhale out for six counts and even if you do that eight times you're going to see the changes throughout the day your digestion will be better your mind will be calmer you will have more oxygen in your body now i uh, usually tell people to uh, i tell i'm i do my pranayama and meditation but that's come very hard to me it's taken me what 12 to 15 years to get that so skip that for now before we put our feet down on earth we do a bhumi prayer so instead of doing a real bhumi prayer you know what i tell the, my kids i'm like just do pranam to Uh, mother earth because she's lifting you up and why do we do that to uplift our energy to gratitude mm-hmm. if you begin your day with gratitude then even if something goes wrong like your maid cooks the wrong thing you're not going to be you will be angry like i'm i'm a regular human being so i do get angry mm-hmm. but you're not going to like lash out right when the vibration is at the level of gratitude or it goes to that level of gratitude and once we do that dinacharya you go you go wash your face you cleanse your tongue with a copper uh, tongue cleaner you if you can't do jalneti that's fine you learn jalneti if you can because it's a life changing practice it cleanses it connects to your olfactory uh, right. you know the part of the brain which makes you much lighter it it helps your pineal gland so you become more intuitive so these are like i can tell you that if you know anyone who's listening even incorporates one of these practices your next year will be different you will be a different human being so you do that i also do um, you know i i do abhyanga every day i also put the drops and everything but that's a little too much so if you can just clean the tongue do jalaneti go light a lamp after you finish your bath it would really really help you why light a lamp light a lamp is you know it's it's a very beautiful mantra that i learned from my teacher deepa jyoti para pramati sarvatamopaha deepena sadhyati sarvam sandhyati po namostute which means the light is inside you so sanskrit is the only language that speaks to your mind your subconscious memory right. so english most languages have been derived from sanskrit so when because of the chant, vibrational quality of the yes. language right so when when you're lighting a lamp you're telling your internal being forget what you think yourself of we associate ourselves with the mind and the body but we're not that we are telling ourselves from the inside hey i am the light try today to not react try today to go a little higher right 
and then do your yoga practice or do your yoga practice or your physical practice you know you must exercise in the morning it's very very important you must move go for a walk go do some yoga or go do some exercise just do it and then eat your start your day i think this is doable it would take you 1 yeah. hour and 10 minutes maybe if you are if you don't allow the mind to wander and this and, is something uh, and anyone and everyone can begin with yeah so i think i can just add on to this basis my experience on myself and with my uh, you know people who come to me um, to begin with when you when you start is day one it might really feel like a challenge for everybody yeah, yeah? but uh, from day one to day 10 from day 10 to day 20 and then you know weeks months and year you will realize that you don't have to make that effort because the more you start to align yourself with all those energies it automatically starts to happen to you i mean the effort that you had put in on day one will no more be the yeah. same effort that you put in after one year so you know yeah. you, you have to really flow with uh, that and prepare your body and mind to get get into that flow yeah yeah i agree with you it's uh, i i mean i think it's it's so 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 important to do these practices they can really i mean they they are actually in our, in our dna so it for us it would be very easy to pick up yeah and i also want to add i do the same practice every single day i only do the shivananda practice wow i've only been doing that for the last 12 years i do sometimes do some other practice when i need to like let's say you know invent a class or in mm-hmm. go deeper and, and i pick up one asan that i want to work on so i've been working on one asan for the last one year and i just add that but my practice is very slow it's very yin it's very it's very meditative because that's what i'm looking at yoga for um i'm not looking at it as a physical practice for me it's it's much more deeper yeah and i agree so, to that because yeah. i guess the more you get deeper into understanding the actual uh, purpose of yoga uh, not from the physicality perspective but actually getting into understanding your nervous system is where yeah. you realize it's not about that aggressive movement or that activity yeah, it's more it's about not. the more you can get your system into relaxation and balance is where uh, things will actually start to move within right agree so okay uh, so anshul uh, i mean we've talked of these practices but apart from these practices are there any specific ayurvedic concoctions or herbs or uh, you know recipes that you abide by uh, seasonally or for specific health concerns or on a regular basis as a tonic so i i mean i basically if anyone has cold in my house we follow like a very regimented now it's become muscle memory my kids would go they would switch on the steamer put ajwain and steam okay wow. we have tulsi ark lying there tulsi ark is a birthday gift i give people he don't have that cold medicine please have tulsi ark you know so i make this seven um, tulsi seven 11 tulsi ajwain heeng um uh, uh, pink so kala namak um heeng oh i already told you heeng right black pepper yeah. and jeera so i grind all of that together and it's a sure shot to cure you of any cold like it's very powerful it's very hot you're mm-hmm. just supposed to swallow it with warm water there are so many you know i can't even tell you like it's just way too many so if we have right. fever in the house we just drink jeera water we allow the fever to break automatically and even if it's not jeera i have mahasudarshan the churan uh, for high fever 
um i um what else do i do for fever i do cold patti so what i do mm-hmm. is i take a handkerchief and i make a hole on it so i'll put it on my nadi my solar plexus and salt water to remove the inflammation okay. if i'm injured which happens to me a lot because i'm a yoga practitioner i have never taken the, the time that i had taken a panadol it ruined me so mm-hmm. that's when my entire um, my my journey started to natural healing i i pop magnesium um a very good magnesium and then i have something I to add here before we move yeah. on like uh, you just talked about the injuries and you know you're not very comfortable taking those medications so recently um, there was an injury that happened uh, i don't know how it happened like uh, probably through some yogic practice which i did not, did not realize and it it happened after 10 hours of my practice and it was wow. quite a severe one for the first time i realized what is the difference between good pain and bad pain the way it is taught <laughs> generally in uh, you know yogic classes so um wow. and it was such a bad pain for next 15 days it was uh, i mean there, there was no position where my oh. right arm and hand was settling in it, and the pain was so severe that it wasn't even getting uh, down with uh, any kind of painkillers Right. Uh, some physiotherapy sessions i had to go through because i wasn't able to move my right side at all uh, it brought me to a certain level and then um, i guess there was some uh, nerve uh, displacement and i had to get some uh, nerve manipulation done by a, chi- a chiropractor and he did put me on uh, some muscle relaxants and nerve relaxants and i took that medication i think for two days and i realized it's taking me to a different world i mean it's, it's a very dizzy world it's uh, and you would not believe like uh, uh, every time i was going to so i took three sessions with that chiropractor and every time i was going to him he was just telling me one thing uh, are you taking your medications uh, because you know some level of relaxation is required for for the mm-hmm. nerve to get back to its own place i mean i use some pranayama practices also because you know what better than uh, pranayama to to get back into yeah, that relaxation mode yes uh, but uh, initially he told me there are certain uh, certain postures that you should not be doing for for a lifetime okay and then i challenged not i mean not on the face <laughs> uh, face of it i challenged him but i challenged <laughs> myself okay how is this possible i'm being into yoga yeah. i will have i will do it so but then i found out my own ways to figure out how to go about it and then i just gradually started walking and jogging okay and i stopped taking those medications and this pain which was there uh, which which was uh, you know uh, physiotherapy took it to a certain level but there was some lasting pain which was like 20% of the entire thing 80% had already healed that 20% did not go with that chiro um, sessions or with any medication it went away when i worked on my circulation when i started walking and jogging and i realized that the more heat i'm creating in the body that so you know that's kind of soothing and um, the day i started it's been i guess almost a month now within two days that 20% pain was gone uh, which was the lasting pain like you know that that was the most troublesome one and i was like wow mm. this is amazing i mean why the world doesn't know it that you know every time it's not But, about those you know it's very important like when you have such pain to talk to other yoga teachers because we've all been there done that and you know we have like yeah. i think a, a database but I think every yoga or maybe every athlete has an injury. Yes. And the athlete that episode makes you uh, you know you really your ego comes in front of you because yes. you have that injury because of your ego, right? Yes. So that's also one of the reasons you know I think But I guess one injury happens. teaches uh, uh, you know comes and teaches you a lot. I mean it, I guess it's important to experience yeah. that injury also because yeah. you know there there I mean now compassion. I'm so Yeah. mindful about the practices that i do i know okay right. this yeah. first then this and this and this 
of course it's very easy for people like us to get into very complex poses yeah. very quickly the reason we've taken time is because self love you know we want yeah. to also give ourselves like why are we traumatizing ourselves to achieve certain things so yeah. um, injuries are important they're part of the journey and i think it's a conversation i have with my yoga friends almost every single day mm-hmm. is how to do the continue the practice without being injured i'm 36 you know i'm 30 going to be 37 and i have two children and you know we've gone through these these right. uh, the body is not the same so I have learned to uh, heal myself out of injuries very naturally. I do something called the potli, the salt potli, mm-hmm. which is um, I roast the salt on the tawa and I put it in a muslin bundle like a kapra, and then I dab it on my injury. So if you go to any physiotherapist, he's going to tell you to cold, cold, yeah, like cold pack, cold patients. Yes. Yeah. So see, ice fermentation is a good way to cut out the pain, which is like it didn't work for me. I pain. tried that also because that was recommended to me also, but it didn't work for me. But it's not the ideal yeah. solution. It's only to remove the pain in your body for and a certain time. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. I don't care about experiencing pain, but if you really want to remove, because salt has that lavanya property, right? Salt removes, sucks out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sucks. It, it out has that process of osmosis, right? It creates balance yes. at the electrolyte level. So salt. Level. salt dislodges the inflammation which actually is mucus and it removes it so i do that a lot around the injury that's a nice and, uh, way of yeah. um, doing it yeah so basically an injury is a repetitive motion that's gone wrong and it's also lactic acid that's stuck yes so yeah. you view and i have not been removing that lactic acid so right. the most important thing the learning for you and i is to a do a yoga nidra very seriously and stretch that body so even though i have pain in the body i would do all this and then i would also rub sarsoka oil i would do all of that but i would also go and do little yoga to mobilize that body part yeah so if i have soreness in my neck i would still go and do surya namaskar if it's available to me but if it's not available to me i would rest i would do yoga nidra okay why i'm doing yoga nidra is to reset my parasympathetic system nidra is the best way to heal the gut pineal axis Yeah, the more so, you are at rest, the yeah. more system starts to create those healing yeah. that healing environment in the body. But I never, I never take a pill, and um, I have discovered certain herbs that I keep, certain oils, Thai balms mm-hmm. that are pure and natural that I've I've kept a stock in the house. Then, in during my travels to ashrams, I collect mm-hmm. collect pain oils also. Okay. So all of that I have. That really. But helps, I yeah. don't. But really I, I guess some of them you can actually make it at home also, like. Ajwain, you can make I it at home. Works really as a yeah. Pain, yeah, you can make it at well. home. I I mean yeah, yeah you can hundred percent make all of these at home. Yeah. So uh, that's yeah, lot of things. Uh, Dipti, there's a whole day. I know it's 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 a complete herbs. world in itself. Never uh, I mean, ending. So during the spring, when the spring comes, I'll do that neem thing. I'll pop the neem to cleanse my blood, right. and uh, eat a lot of calcium now. Sesame seeds, all of that. I follow the seasonal calendar, the Ritu Charya, and I do it. and even the kids and i we all do it and we also change our abhyanga oils according to the season and we also follow the most important part for me for my children is i give them uh, on every pushya nakshatra i give them these drops called swanparsh which is uh, basically uh, i heard of and, it recently yeah, uh, yeah. There, there was somebody so, into uh, you know doing some research or coming up as a as as a um, what do you call uh, soul authority for this specific this thing so i i i think they got some patent done also for that 
through yeah. my yoga community so i came across the tinge of gold with honey and ghee which is actually virudhi aha incompatible combination but on that particular day it works for you because it heals the gut from the inside so my kids have that every pushya nakshatra so mm-hmm. i've identified all of these things over the years and we follow it religiously and it's it's kept us off you know the hospitals and the doctors you know so that's that's, that's nice yeah, i mean i i guess yeah. it's it's a very deep rooted science and more about self experience i would say i mean you you keep doing it and then you yeah. keep learning it okay this works this way yeah. and i think yeah. my next question is re- related to this only um so in yoga it is a known fact that almost all health conditions like what we experience either the chronic ones at the physical level or at the mind level and quick aging is all a manifestation of overuse nervous system and the hormones getting the interplay of hormones going wrong because of overuse of nervous system right so and a lot of women also experience all these hormonal concerns when they are looking for modern day solutions i mean uh, you know we just don't know how to get to the root of what is causing those hormonal issues so from the yoga and ayurveda perspective um, what has been your experience like you know uh, some doable things maybe some yogic practices or ayurveda remedies or herbs so can really 100%, 100% these lifestyle diseases that we are seeing on a rise are of course food related they are stress related and they are over stimulation related right we right. all know this now a yoga has a solution to everything but it requires a lot of consistency and patience so if you have a thyroid problem all you need to do and i've seen people heal through this is the shoulder stand series hmm. right which means yes. basically you do shoulder stand and uh, you have to learn from a good teacher because we have to practice properly you have to allow the blood flow to you know completely come here and mobilize your remain here the oxygen to flow start healing the halasana and then coming back up and then going down that's your op- your answer actually to thyroid now if you are pcos and you have um, you have any of those other endometric problems then you need to do all these vata related problem uh, vata related poses which is your forward pose your uh, you know even if you can do peacock pose which is great for your intestines yeah. but not very easy to that, do for everybody we can we can give them options of course mm-hmm. we can make them do kakasan we can make mm-hmm. them do um, you know janu shishasan ardha bada padmottanasan trianga mukha padmottanasan but essentially if this person has this problem and if they do practice with a good yoga teacher and they are able to change their lifestyle just a little bit remove some dairy remove some gluten include some good a2 ghee um, you know eat according to the the virudhi aha which means don't eat fruit in the middle of the day eat only on wake up which is like you know ayurveda yeah, it's first thing in the morning must be eaten first in the morning because it actually increases your triglyceride so if they can follow these small small changes you know which people don't know like yeah. it's just that they've not been educated right uh, then it really it can go away very easily it's basically incompatible combinations in my opinion i agree i always ask, i agree i yeah. always ask the person are you soaking your dals are you soaking your rice and i think are you overcooking uh, your vegetables uh, yeah it's it's yeah. it's very logical as well because if you look at the body it's uh, how when we talk of you know digestion being the key it's about those uh, uh digestive juices being uh, you know uh, releasing yeah. out of the body and these digestive okay. 
juices do not like complication of foods yeah and i would not say eat salad like i would say don't eat salad i would say fast but if you're not like if you're a vata prakriti and basically people who have a disease are not able to fast why because there's something going on inside and you know we as healers should understand that like i can't put someone i i don't like to prescribe fasting to someone who's already going through mental same here, stuff same here yeah, yeah. you know the, i mean there's an approach to fasting yeah. not everybody yeah. can do it yeah i personally fast on only specific days i fast on ekadashi and purnamashi that's what my uh, guru says and i do a juice fast once a year to cleanse myself from my habits you know it's more a mental cleansing and i i think that's enough like if you're eating yeah. moderately anyway you don't need to really uh, put your body through this trauma exactly. of fasting and but if someone is going through we really need to analyze ki what is the incompatible combination what is that food remove you have to make it macrobiotic you have to remove all those um, processed foods if he's eating atta i would say eat kapli atta you know yes. I, and i think it's important to go very lovingly you know you can't be like do this also do that also i always think about looking at what trauma they going through you know what is happening in the background one thing at a time maybe yeah. one meal at a yeah. time move on to the second exactly one. i always prescribe you know some sort of other healing more that's more important you know the food we put too much emphasis on exactly food in i this i modern day age because food I is cannot, commercial it's i don't right? agree with you in yeah. you know more on this yeah. i mean as a part of yeah. my practice also um mm-hmm. for any kind of health concern it's 100% is completely foods and this is also one thing gradually i've deviated from uh, you know working as a you know as a nutritionist to more towards creating awareness and getting into that health education right. because i come from that field of course i know a lot of things but foods is just 50 or 60% of the entire you know who it's, you are it's, it's so it's many other things coming together percentage, yeah. yes so like to keep a healthy microbiome are you going out in the sun are you using your diaphragm to breathe because if you're not using your diaphragm to breathe then the exchange of carbonic acid and the oxygen yes. is not optimal which means your lungs and your bronchitis are actually clogging up so your gut is anyway not healing then yeah. i would ask them are you chewing your food properly you know there are small there small, are small things that yeah. are more important than what you are putting in exactly. in fact i can tell you that okay if you're doing the other things but you're eating maida you'll be fine right so we we are putting too much and the reason we are putting too much emphasis on food is because it sells and it makes money so if they marketing is flooding us of information of food on our instagram and on our tv and so we are like oh we have to repair our food we have to repair our food but there are other things that are free yes. like the bread like your satsang like the sun which you are not right. using right yes. so and these are these are things that are very powerful healing factors which we don't ever focus on yeah, the way you rightly into. said like you know the way marketing world has created a uh, like for example you know, being under the sun it's, it's you know skin cancer the, the only so thing that you know being under the sun is that you know skin cancer will happen or skin cancer or tanning but, that's not, but it, that's not yeah. true yeah yeah so great anchal i think uh, we are short in time but there 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 was still so much that i had to ask you but i think we'll oh, we'll plan another podcast session that we discussed last time so rest yeah. of my questions will go in there for sure and <laughs> for the listeners i would recommend you can just listen this one and the podcast also that i'll be shooting soon with uh, anchal but on the ending yeah. note anchal anything that you would add on to the entire thing that we've just discussed um you know like my usp is that of course i branched around and i've been studying with a lot of teachers around the world and um the most important thing for me was to get my foot into the door and the, the way you get your foot into the door is 
you start with something and you are consistent at it so i i always tell people that you know maybe yoga seems or yoga is not for you right or you start exercising or do whatever just be consistent at it right yeah. because once you're consistent and it's some part of it will start working for you i honestly find yoga to be very complete and yoga is not only hatha yoga which is what physical practice yeah. you're seeing on instagram there's so much beyond it it's important to find someone who's invested in your growth right so if you're going to dipti dipti is invested in your growth she's going to guide you beyond the physical practice so if you get these two covered and if you're leaning towards these esoteric sciences then you know try to follow this approach be consistent find a good person to work on work with you know maybe not attend their classes every single day it doesn't have to be that but at least someone who can guide you right like like for me it was shivananda yoga i did those 12 poses every single day and i healed myself so i always love teaching that i love propagating that and there's so and, much uh, in those 12 poses only i mean oh, it yeah. might seem like one practice but you can keep doing you know, it forever it's like, it's, it's amazing and i'm, I'm learning yeah and you know because i've seen so much there i'm learning kalari now and i'm mm-hmm. i'm loving it like you know self defense and i'm also learning um now i'm deep diving into my ayurvedic study mm-hmm. and i'm also you know practicing and uh, i'm i'm tied up with cooper hospital now to do a research paper on parasympathetic system wow, because i'm so nice. like obsessed with this whole um obsessed with like you know what yoga can really do for you because exactly. it, you know when i was talking to the doctors over there they're like we don't have research money over here and all the research is happening in america but it's so sad because it all comes from here yes. so we're all yeah we're doing this you know just as a way to help out our community and maybe push the um, the indian doctors and allow more yoga to come into our own hospitals and you know like chem- like people who are going through chemotherapy they should be doing yoga nidra or tibetan bowl so i've been pushing towards that so all of this has uh, you know changed my life so i mean i hope that like our viewers can pick up maybe one or two practices from one of this and then uh, take it from there nice uh, so just just on the ending note i would uh, want to add like um, you know you have experienced this even i have seen it as a part of my practice or my conversation with these experts westerners are just crazy about what india has to offer just crazy i, I mean they can do anything <laughs> and everything to get to that level of knowledge yeah. and you know we are lucky enough to be here and uh, at least pick up some yeah. few things which can actually improve upon our life on a daily basis right. specifically in these times where uh, yeah uh, you know okay so, you so, know bodhi kalari apu asked yeah, a question I which i want to only. respond yeah, i want to respond that. to this please, please. because it's so important as indian women you know to understand this is that when you go through your journey of yoga um you go through the physical practice which is okay you'll heal your body and you'll become thin and all that rubbish will happen which we won't care about after you become a yogi but you will start wanting to heal your emotional body and you want to start basically learning how to chisel the intellect and find stillness in the mind now as a vedantan or someone who studies vedanta i understand that to do that i need to reach out to certain energies that are more powerful that elevate me right like so i gave you an example that i chant a lot because those energies are at vibrations like 432 and hertz which yeah. sort of elevate Frequency. your mind so from for me personally i've gone through this cycle of you know being absorbed in shiva and then being absorbed in vishnu my mother in law taught me the vishnu sahasranama 
and then i went through krishna and i'm krishna i'm obsessed with still and i do the gita but then i realized that you know you cannot proceed in your life uh, as a yogi or as a human being if you have even an ounce of fear the only deity to remove fear is the devi energy right so my 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 belongingness or rather rather my search for lalita says the nama started which is what they chant in the shivananda ashram mm-hmm. every single day right. so when i did that i realized that you know what i should be able to be that powerful person that fear should not touch me so to do that you have to learn self defense right you have to be so powerful that tomorrow i can go into that ground with thousand men and be able to defend mm-hmm. myself so i i started learning kalari appu and i absolutely love it because it's very you know i i read like certain books and yoga and dand and kalari appu they're all parallel sciences yeah. so they're all encompassing and i've recently met a lot of good yoga teachers from the uk and you know they're all dand mm-hmm. and everything so we had very interesting conversations on how this kind of adds on to our own process so um i just recently started with this really good teacher who i met in the ashram quite coincidentally and i'm even making my children do it wow. because i want my kids to learn everything that india has to offer you know so nice. um uh, so we three of us we do the class of course they do very little of it but they're mm-hmm. at least observing their mother so they know that their mother is yeah that know, gets into actually, their uh, dna automatically yeah exactly so um i um yeah so that's why kalari appu is a great science and i i think i i mean i would recommend every single indian and mother and father and child to actually experience it nice uh, amazing session uh, anshul i think still a lot to absorb so so charged and dipti i'm looking forward to our collaborations yeah definitely <laughs> yes uh, it's on my mind i'll discuss that with you and before that we'll go ahead with the podcast and you know we'll we'll try bringing all, right. all that ancient knowledge that you carry on board with in a specific way yeah. so looking forward was, to that and yeah. thank you so much anchal i think we are already um, you know time wise it's little up but very nice session and thank you so much for being there thank you so much it was a pleasure thank you everyone for joining us and thank i you hope everyone, to yeah. see you in our classes um, yes thank you bye. thank you bye bye